Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. been a long time coming and it is very close. Christmas is almost upon us and there is something wonderful about an 11 o'clock worship service. My last church didn't have an 11 o'clock worship service. They wrapped things up at about eight and so it's been, I looked back, it's been almost a decade since I've had an 11 o'clock worship service. And about this morning at 11 a.m., I thought, this is going to be awesome. And then the day went on, and you know what? It's still awesome. Because there's something about gathering when everyone else thinks the day is over. There's something intriguing about people coming together and being the body of Christ when the world decides it's bedtime. And knowing that we will exit this house of God and Christmas Day will be upon us. There is something miraculous about that transformation from night into the next day. And knowing that we came here with great expectation and we will leave having celebrated the very dawn of the day in which Christ was born. That's what Christmas is all about. About the day when Jesus was born, when God came to us, when Emmanuel was no longer a prophecy but a present reality. And so as Christians, we gather together to be reminded not only of all that has happened since then, not only to be reminded that this event happened for us, but to celebrate it, to honestly and earnestly praise God for the fact that Christmas is ours. This is our day. This is the time when Christians feel that expectations start to be realized. And every year as the world is preparing for a secular version of this, the church is journeying towards not just Christmas, but toward the second coming. We are preparing ourselves every year as if we are practicing for the day in which Christ will return and change everything all over again. No one expected Christ to be born the way he was born. All the prophecies, all the prayers, all the beliefs, they thought that they were going to get a king. And kings aren't born in stables. In fact, in Jesus' day, kings weren't born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was like a little town out in the middle of nowhere. Kings were born in Jerusalem. Kings were born out of a hierarchy that they currently saw on the throne. Kings were not born in lowliness. They were not born in the middle of the night to poverty. Instead, they were heralded. There were parades and celebrations. Royalty gathered to pay homage. And the night that Jesus was born, the night shift from the field showed up. And so God was showing us a new way of doing things, where the low would be uplifted, where those who thought they were outsiders and no good would be the first welcomed in. God transformed the way we understand worship by letting us know that it didn't just happen during the day, 
but that it happened whenever God's presence was felt and celebrated. That worship was not limited to simply one hour during the daylight. Instead, if we take ourselves back to that night, we realize that everything that never should have happened, happened. That that night, a couple of faithful Jews traveled from their hometown to be counted in a census so that, yes, they could be taxed. And they journeyed down to Joseph's hometown, where his family was from. And so he gathered in a place where he shouldn't have been alone. He gathered in a place where his other relatives had come to be counted also. We often forget that. There wasn't just no room in the inn. There was no room for Joseph with his family. And why? Why wouldn't they make room for Joseph? It's quite possible that Joseph got shunned after he accepted Mary. After learning that she had become pregnant, he had thought to himself, I will quietly set her aside. I will not publicly shame her. I will not, I will not demand any price from her. Instead, I will just simply let her go. And in a dream, God appeared to Joseph through the voice of an angel and said, It's okay. You can marry her. Her child is of God. And you will have your place in helping this to come about if you will honor your marriage to her. And so Joseph, being a faithful man, did what no one else would do. He decided to continue in his marriage journey with Mary, great with child. And maybe that's why she came with him. Technically, she did not have to travel for the census. Only the men had to be counted. But maybe Joseph knew that leaving her home in Nazareth was dangerous. Maybe he knew that people might take vigilante justice on her. Maybe he knew that it would be better if she were at least with him when her time came. And so he saddled a donkey and he brought her all the way down to Bethlehem. And when they got there, they had nowhere to go. This was well before the days of making reservations. And they didn't have rooms open, even at a premium price. And so they're relegated to a stable. And I don't know very many women who want to give birth in a stable of all places. There's that whole smell factor. There's an uncleanliness factor. There's just an uncomfortable factor. And yet, this is where she finds herself. And so they do the best that they can. I try to imagine mooing and neighing. And Lord only knows what other sounds coming from this stable. And there, in the darkness of the night, Mary gives birth. And she doesn't even get any privacy. She doesn't even have a little time to recover. Because as soon as this happens... An angel appears outside of town in the sky to the night shift in the, in the sheep field. And there the angel says to those shepherds who thought it was going to be an easy night, we're just going to lay low and wait for dawn. Instead, the sky lights up because an angel has appeared and says to them, I bring you good news. Do not be afraid. And proceeds to tell them about the birth of the Savior. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords, your Messiah, has finally arrived. 
the one Isaiah was talking about, the ones the prophets have prophesied about, the one that Israel has been hoping for is here, and you get the first look. I can't imagine what the shepherds thought that night. Are you crazy? And the angel says, oh, wait, that's not all. I want you to go and see for yourself. And so the sky lights up even more for all of heaven suddenly appears and the angels sing. They usher in this news by celebrating, which is what we will do tomorrow. We will celebrate Christmas Day by singing happy birthday to Jesus. And after they finish their glorious cantata, they ascend back into heaven and the shepherds are left with a choice. Do we go or do we stay? And I suspect that every Christmas there are many Christians that get to about 1030 and have to make that decision. Do we go or do we stay? And it's easy to stay, right? Your bellies are full. You're comfortable. It's a lot easier to stay home. And yet, what is it that drives us here? What is it that brings the few and the faithful out? What is it about tonight that still draws us here to be in the presence of God and to remember and celebrate the birth. Because it would have been easier for those shepherds to stay, to leave all of the flock, the value, to, to walk off the job because I had a vision. I don't know many bosses that say that's okay. I had a vision and I left. You know, if you're a second grade teacher and you say this, I'm pretty sure you're fired when you get back. And yet the shepherds did just that. They left. Let us go and see this thing that has been revealed to us. Let us go. And so they walked away from possibly everything. Their, their stability, their jobs, their livelihood. They left it out there in the field and they journeyed into town. They didn't take time to go get cleaned up. They didn't go put on their best clothes. They didn't even have time to take a mikvah. Instead, they walk right into this stable, and there is a newborn baby and his exhausted mother and his probably overwhelmed father. And they tell them what has happened. We were told to find you here. God sent us here. What did Mary and Joseph think? God sent you? What are you going to do? You smell worse than what's already here. And you're filthy. Don't touch the baby. But instead, this is what God has done. He has taken the unclean and made it holy. God has invited those who were deemed unworthy. The angels didn't appear to the priesthood. The angels didn't appear to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The angels didn't appear to the monarchs. Instead, the angels appeared to the ones that nobody thought about. The ones that everybody just wrote off. The ones who were so far outside they weren't even in the city limits. Come and see. Come here and see. And so they did. And there they encountered for the first time what divinity encased in humanity looks like. For the very first time, human eyes laid eyes on God incarnate. And Emmanuel no longer became a word and a song or a hymn or a prayer. 
It was no longer part of a prophetic scroll, something that was read in synagogues on the Sabbath. For once, it became the reality. And there they saw God with their own eyes. And under the Levitic laws, under the priesthood, these were people that would never have been in the Holy of Holies. These are people that never would have gotten that far into the temple to see this in Jerusalem. And yet here they were. God took a stable and made it the Holy of Holies in Bethlehem in Judea. And God is seeking to transform places all over the world into bastions where God is encountered by those who don't feel worthy and those that, that the world has said are not worthy, those that have been cast aside, that have been rejected, that have been segregated and divided and diminished, those who have been stripped of their dignity and their personhood. God, even now, is inviting them into holy places to realize that they too are blessed and welcomed and cherished. Christmas is about that moment where God crossed a boundary. God took laws and rules and statutes that God wrote and dictated and completely obliterated them. God was willing to say that nothing will stand between me and you. Nothing will keep us apart. And when you didn't understand that I was there with you in the pillar of the cloud and the pillar of fire, when you couldn't understand the storm and the thunder on Mount Sinai, when we signed our covenant, when you didn't hear me, when the spirit of the Lord was upon the prophets, when you ignored my priests, now you will see me and hear me and touch me and experience me in a whole new way. Because now you will be looking at human flesh. And now you can touch God with your own hands. And even now, God is inviting us to enter into that encounter with one another. By baptism in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are given the opportunity to embody God for other people. What higher calling can we as Christians have? To be able to... Bring God into places where God is not welcome. To take God to people who feel unwelcome and unworthy. To be vessels of Christmas, not only this day, but every day. It's as if we could wrap Christ in our arms and take him forth and introduce him to all of those people. This is what we can do because Christmas happened. Because Christmas was real, because it's not just a story that we tell our children, because it's not just a nativity play that they act out, because it's not just something we sing about with beautiful verse, and it's not something we just display on our altars and in our homes, because Christmas is real. And the way we approach Christmas should reflect our desire to approach Christ, should reflect our desire to be in right relationship with our God and with one another. We are given this tremendous opportunity on Christmas to renew our faith, to renew our commitment. Because the shepherds 
didn't just keep this all to themselves. They told Mary what they had heard. They told Joseph. And then they went out and told others. And others were amazed. They were confused. They thought the shepherds were nuts. Some of them thought, okay, maybe. But why a stable in Bethlehem? And why you? Why would God appear to you? What makes you so special? And their answer? We don't know. I suspect their answer would be something like, I don't know. I don't know why God chose me. I don't care. God chose me. And I got to see the Savior. And now my job is to tell you. That's who we are as Christians. We have encountered God. We have had a faith grown within us. Whether it was nurtured by our family or our friends or a church community whether we happened upon it or whether we sought it out, faith has begun in us. And God is bringing it to fruition. It is growing in us just like the Christ child grew into a child, a young man, and ultimately the man who went into ministry, taught us everything we know about Christianity, lived, died, and resurrected for us. This was God's gift. And all of this was planned long before that first Christmas day. And so the fact that you and I are here, this is part of the plan. That there would be those, those few and those faithful, who would gather, who would worship, who would remember, and who would let all of this fall on them anew and let Christmas become fresh and invigorating that would rekindle our faith that it would send us back out into the world not just on Christmas day but every single day to tell and transform to invite and encourage and to let Christmas be part of who we are now, the world's ready to pack up. I guarantee you that it won't be very long before you go out and you start seeing Valentine's Day. It's coming. Trust me. I'm waiting for the day when I come out of Christmas and it's already Easter. I will weep. But they are going to move very quickly. The world will pass this by. And they will tell you, stop singing those songs. I'm sick of them already. Well, if you didn't start singing them in October, you wouldn't be sick of them, would you? Don't let the world squelch your Christmas. Don't let the pressures of a secular Christmas end what is only just beginning. Epiphany isn't until January 6th. The wise men still haven't shown up. We have time. So keep your lights burning at night. Let them remind you of that star that shined and that shine showed those wise men where to go. Keep those songs of the season in your heart and upon your lips so that the world will hear that Christmas is not just one day. It is a way of living. Let this be our testimony 
Let this be the legacy of that first Christmas, that there are those who will not let it go quietly into the night. Instead, we stand here as a testimony that light dawned that first day. In the midst of darkness, love came down, and the light of Jesus Christ was only just beginning to go out into the world. May we be the light that continues to burn ever brightly, not just this evening, but tomorrow and every day thereafter. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.